The Medallion, Chapter 11 Corvin scuttled along the rock ledge toward a narrow fracture in the wall. Squeezing through the crack, he stumbled down a short stairway and ran down a narrow tunnel. When he finally stopped to look back, he was met with silence. If the Volus captured Sarek, he would never be able to find his father. Only Tsarek knew what lay beyond the falls or how to get past them. Slipping on a patch of slime, he stumbled and caught his balance. The narrow passage had been cut with fire sticks in the distant past. The ceiling was black with the smoke of torches, and the crude stairs cut into the floor were covered with slime. The pathway turned a corner and broke off in two directions. To the right, circular stairs climbed up into the darkness, but to the left, the yellow glow was stronger. Corvin had just put his foot on the steps leading to the right when he heard footsteps coming down from above. Whipping around, he ran quietly toward the glow and emerged into a high cavern. In front of him was the pool beneath the temple karst in the city of Kadir. At the edge of the water, a narrow stairway ascended to a crack high in the cavern wall. Cutting past the staircase, he headed for the far side of the pool. Gavin's hidden entry into the tunnels running below the city was somewhere behind a large pile of boulders. If he could find Gavin, the boy could lead him below the city and out to the falls. Footsteps echoed across the water behind him and the light of an approaching torch flickered on the ceiling. Corvin crouched down behind the boulders just as a tall man in a hooded cloak came from the tunnel across the water with a torch in hand. The man walked up to the water's edge, extinguished his fire stick and placed it on the ground. The glow from the slimy water illuminated a shrouded white bearded face. The man stooped to pick up a few pebbles and tossed three of them in succession into the pool. He waited a moment and then did it again. The rhythmic splashes sent intertwined phosphorescent ripples across the surface of the water. A light at the top of the stairs caught the old man's attention and he slipped back into the shadows of the stairway as a woman in white appeared at the top. When she reached the bottom stair, she held up her light and pulled back her hood. It was Tirith. Corvin rose to his feet and Tirith lifted her torch higher, blinking at him through the gloom. Kalian? A shadow emerged behind her as the old man stepped out from beside the stairway and into the torchlight. Tirith's head jerked around to face the robed man and he gave a low chuckle. Corvin crouched back down. I wish you wouldn't do that, Tira said. I had to be sure it was you, the man said as he sat on the stairs. You know I can't be seen yet. Did you bring the food? I'm running low. Tira pulled out a cloth sack. The man rummaged through it and pulled out a cluster of dried fruit on a vine. I guess the dried ones are about as good as we can get, at least for now. He put the sack between his feet, popped one of the fruits into his mouth, chewed for a moment, then talked past his mouthful. What did you say the name of that boy, Kalian? Tirith looked across the water. Sometimes I wonder what happened to him. Corvin smiled. Tirith had not forgotten him. The man snorted. We can only hope he's gone into the abyss where he belongs. He was a servant of evil, not a Corvan. Tirith's dark hair moved slightly as she shook her head. How does that make any sense? He saved my life and sacrificed his own. He was only pretending to be dead to deceive others. Isn't that what you're doing, father? The man's head jerked up and he angrily flipped back his hood. The high priest was alive. You know what I had to do to defeat the chief watcher? He pointed over to where he had entered the cavern. Do you think I've enjoyed living in the caretaker's dwellings? It's damp and filthy. Tirith patted her father's arm. I was just trying to point out that perhaps Corvin isn't evil either. Forget about him. He was too young for you and Morgan was too old. I was right about him, too. Morgan showed his true colors when he betrayed us and went over to the chief watcher. Tira shook her head. Morgan told me he was planning to take the palace back from the chief watcher. 
The old man grunted, rummaged through the bag, and drew out a long loaf of bread. Corvin's stomach rumbled so loudly he was sure they would hear. This palace food is much better than what we had over on the priest's side of the plaza. Are you enjoying the luxury of being a princess now that the city wants you to rule over them? My quarters are very nice, but why did you have to send Mara over? She is there to make sure you are not taken advantage of by Jord or any of the other influential men on that side. This is a big change for you, and you will need a mother figure in your life to guide you. Tirith frowned as she stuck her torch into the crack of the steps and sat beside her father. Tucking her feet up under her robe, she put her chin in her hands. Although the long scar from her encounter with the chief watcher curved up above her fingertips, Tirith was the most beautiful girl he had ever seen. The high priest looked over at her. How are things going up at the palace? Tirith lifted her head. I hate having to rule the corps on my own. I still don't see why I had to refuse George's proposal of marriage. He could have been a great help to me. No, the old man snapped. Jord could no more be trusted than his brother. The whole family is full of deceivers. Besides, you aren't on your own. You have our alliance with the guard, and you have me to advise you. It's not the same. Her father patted her knee. You won't be on your own for long. As soon as things are ready, I will return and take over as the ruler of Kadir. Tirith pushed herself off the steps and walked to the water's edge. And then I get to marry the captain of the guard? Why did you say that? I know your schemes, father. The high priest joined her at the water. You must trust me, Tirith. I do know what's best for you and the future of our city. We need an alliance as they hold the balance of power, at least for now. They will uphold military law until I can secure control of the council chamber. The people of Kadir are complaining about the law. They say I wield the hammer too harshly. The guard executed a man in my name for eating Lumian fruit. And out in the settlements, it is said that I am more cruel than the chief watcher. The high priest put his hand on her shoulder. This will all pass once they see the end result. The priest will come around when I return from the water, and they realize that I speak for the gods. It'll only be a matter of time before we drive the rebels from their hiding place and secure peace in Kadir. And the Rakash. Are they going to submit to your plan? The old man stared at her for a long moment before he spoke. There is a way to defeat even the Rakash. They all serve one master. When we cut off the head, the serpent will die. And how will you reach the head? You said he was hiding in the deepest part of the core. I know a way to reach him. But you also know that your mother took my medallion when she abandoned us. Tirith dropped her shoulder and slipped his hand off. I don't know much at all. You never speak of her. That's because it hurts to remember being betrayed by the one you trusted most. He ran a hand over his beard. But you are right. I do need to tell you more about it. Let's wait until I'm out of this hole and back in the light of the Lumians. It would be too depressing to bring all that back up, only to be left alone here in the darkness. His voice overflowed with self-pity. Then let's not talk about it now. I have to go back to the palace. The captain will be looking for me. The old man nodded. Tirith climbed the stairs and disappeared through the opening at the top. As her light faded away, the high priest lifted his head. A wry smile creased the white beard.